Well, today I want to start by telling you a story of a time where Jalen, who was is my wife, but was now was at that point my girlfriend, when she sounded a lot like the Bible. Um, now, to get started, I want to let you know there are a number of things that I am actually pretty good at. Like, I feel like a lot of times I'm telling stories where um, where I'm where I'm failing at something or something does not go of something that I'm not, I didn't do particularly well. Uh, and today is another one of those. But one, plumbing is not one of those things that I am good at. So in 2010, I bought my first home. It was a very it was a, it was my it was a big boy decision. Very exciting time in my life. It was built in 1984, so it was younger than me, which was exciting. And shortly after I bought the house, Jalen and I started dating. Yeah, I guess you could say she's a real home digger. Uh, she was only in it for my 1,200 you know square foot house in Alamogordo that very much seemed like it was still living in 1984. Anyway, so I little by little start replacing and updating things that didn't work or weren't in great shape or just, you know, were really out of date. And, and one of the things that I needed to replace pretty quickly was the kitchen faucet. It was old, it was drippy, and at times it was leaking out the back, so it needed to be replaced. So I ordered a new one from Amazon, and I thought I, I thought it was a pretty nice one that had like a pullable handle so it could be flexible. It was going to be great. So I wait three days, and the package arrives from Amazon, and I get home from work, and I got home from work the same time that my roommate Lance got home from his job. Lance at that point was 19. He's actually preached here uh, at, at Movement Church uh, because he's an awesome pastor now. He actually has my old job in Alamogordo. So so when we saw the box, I said, you ever installed a faucet before? And he said, no, have you? And I said, no, maybe if we work together, we can figure it out. And so we open everything up, put the instructions back in the box where instructions belong, and we got to work. Now, the first thing we did was unhook the old faucet. Now, if you're thinking the first thing should have been turning off the water, you would be right. That's not the first thing that we did. And it turns out it's actually a lot harder to turn the water off once things are loose and there's water spraying all over it, that's a lesson that we learned at that moment in time. Especially hard to get the water all the way off. And so after about an hour of work, we finally had the old faucet completely disconnected and the water almost completely turned off. And amazingly, my kitchen floor had turned into a slip and slide. It was just covered in water. I was covered in water. Lance was covered in water. So Lance looked at me and said, all right, well, what do we do next? And I kid you not, I said, you got a swimsuit? He said, yeah. And I said, me too. I think we should both get our swimsuits on because we're getting soaked. So Lance went to his room and I went to my room and we both got our swimsuits on, you know, like plumbers do. And we came back ready to tackle the rest of this project. We looked at all the parts and we figured that we had a pretty good idea what to do next. So we got back under the sink, laying in water, my body in one door, his, his, his in, the, in the other door. And sure enough, we had just no idea what we were doing. No idea. It was at this point in time, after about 35 minutes of that, 45 minutes of like, well, I, I don't really, I mean, it, we could hook this up, but the whole thing was, it, it was this pullable handle, which meant that there was connections that we needed to make that we didn't know we needed to make. Anyway, so Jalen walked in the door. She had gotten off of work. She came over to my house. She entered the door, excited to see this new faucet because I had texted her, I'm installing the new, the new faucet. When you're done with work, you got to come over and see the new faucet. So she, she came over after she was, after she was off of work, um, yelled to ask where we were. She came into this soaking wet kitchen, wondered why her shoes were wet, where she saw me and my roommate, also her second, who was also her second cousin, in our swimsuits, soaking wet, trying to figure out how to install a faucet and she had this incredible question guys like what is happening here 
And so we explained where all the water had come from, why we were in our swimsuits, which sounded a lot dumber, trying to explain to someone who wasn't involved in the original decision, um, and how we were su surprised it had taken this long and gone this badly. And Jalen asked this annoying question. Like, I, I, like I should have known something was up when she asked this question. Well, where are the instructions? Like, that could solve anything. Like, that could solve anything. We told her they were in the box, and then she asked, did you read them and then put them back in the box? She was being really sassy for someone who I'd only been dating about two months, okay? So she got the instructions, told me I should go get towels to dry up all the water, told Lance he should change out of his swimsuit. And before I had all of the water dried up, Jalen had the faucet installed, okay? Now, here's what had happened. I had fallen prey, or let myself fall prey, to a very important life principle. It wasn't the first time I fell to this one. And it certainly hasn't been the last one, and it wouldn't be the last time, you know, I, I, this year. Anyway, so here's the principle here at the start. If you don't know what you're doing, and you don't read the instructions, you're going to screw things up. Now, I'm sorry to all the guys whose wives just looked at them with, with, with death stares. I just, like, I just want to let you know, guys, I'm sorry about that. But guys, I'm also trying to save you some time and save you a future marriage fight. And probably, all, you know, and like, th that's, that's just a thing. If you don't know what you're doing and you don't read the directions, you're going to screw things up in the future. Chris, in the future. <laughs> People in the future, if you don't know what you're doing, read the directions, okay? Anyway, to quickly review where we've been in this series, dots, life's dots are not isolated, they are connected. And if we want to make wiser decisions and wiser choices in the course of life and relationships, our career, our finances, whatever area, we need to understand that wise people understand, but they do more than understand, they act like life's dots are connected. If we want to make wise decisions, we have to make choices acknowledging that today and tomorrow are connected that what we choose now determines what we'll experience later. And last week, we learned, we leaned into the idea of learning from our past mistakes, letting, letting those dots from our past influence our decisions today so that we don't repeat those same mistakes in our, in our future. Learning from our failure so we don't repeat it. Learning from our regret so we don't relive it the next time. And so today, I want to move into the new content by helping us understand something that's true about dots. Um, and, and this is going to blow your mind when I say this, so, it, so I just want to let you know you need to, you know, like, if, if you kind of tuned out, you need to tune back in. If you checked out, check back in because this is really big. This is a big deal, okay? Dots that always connect, always connect. Okay, I'm going to say that again one more time, one, one more time real slow because I know some of you didn't get it. Dots that always connect, always connect. You're like, whoa, Chris, let me get a pencil so I can write that down, that kind of wisdom. That's, that's going to help me make better decisions moving forward. I, I get it. It sounds underwhelming. Let me try to provide some clarity. Dots that in life that always connect, they connect no matter who you are. Dots that always connect in life, they connect no matter how much education you have. Dots that always connect in life, they connect no matter how much money you have. They connect no matter how much desire you have to make them not connect. They, do, they connect no matter how much you pray. They connect no matter how physically healthy you are. Everyone clear on that? That dots that always connect, they connect no matter who you are, no matter what you have, no matter how much you de desire you have, that there would be, a, that, that, that these dots would not connect. Dots that connect, that, that dots that always connect, always connect. In other words, there are certain dots in life that always connect no matter what else is going on. See, these, these dots that always connect are better known as principles. Matter of fact, on the count of three, could I get all of us watching today to say principles? Ready? One, two, three principles. 
right? Now, some people, especially in the scientific community, might refer to these principles as laws, such as the laws of gravity, the laws of motion, the law of elasticity, and sometimes people pr prefer to refer to these laws as principles, such as Archimedes' principle of buoyancy or the principle of uniformity of nature. Now, I, I don't know what all of those principles are, but they're at play all of the time, every single day of your life, no matter how much you wish they weren't at play, those are at play every single day and every single moment of your life. And here's my definition of a, of a principle. A principle is a fundamental truth that does not change depending on time, place, or circumstance. It's a, a principle is a fundamental truth that does not change depending on time, on place, on person, or on circumstances. These are unchanging things of life. A principle is an unchanging fundamental truth of life that doesn't change for you, doesn't change depending on time, doesn't change depending on the place where you are at or the place that it's discovered at, doesn't change depending on the circumstances of life. And now you might be wondering what this all has to do with our dots and making wiser decisions. And here's where we make the connection. There are certain dots of life that are always connected. There are principles of life. The connection between these dots, the, the connection between these dots is as established as the fact that what goes up must come down and that denser objects sink in less dense liquids. And there's a desire in you, like there's a desire in me, that whenever there's a conflict between the principles of life, these unchanging fundamental truths that this is how it always works. This is what's always true. This is what's always wise. This is how relationships always work. This is how, what what should always matter the most. This like when there's a conflict between what what is always true and what I want, there is in you, like there is in me, a desire to violate or, or, or find an exception or find a workaround or find a way to push through or act as if What's always true is not true now. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That, yeah, I know this is always true. But that pushes back against what I want to do right now. And so because there's what I want to do right now, and it's in conflict with this thing that's always true, I try to work around, I try to find an exception, I try to find a workaround, I try to find a work through, I try to figure out a way where this doesn't apply to me right now. Now, I try to find a way to break the principle so I can get what I want right now. I try to find a way where the principle isn't true. I try to find a way where the principle has, has, has you know, someone else has found a workaround for the principle. That's in you and it's in me. And Solomon knew that it was in him and in his sons too. So at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, Solomon writes to his sons that, that, that this whole thing, this whole book of Proverbs, it's not ultimately about Solomon, it's about them. It's him passing on to them the wisdom that he has gleaned and picked up and discovered in some ways been handed to him by God over the course of a lifetime. So he's saying, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. There's a lot of wisdom in this book. There's a lot of principles in this book. And then he makes this odd turn right in the beginning of Proverbs 1 to describe the way that wisdom presents itself to people. In Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20, he wrote this. He said, Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out about the above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. Now, again, it's important to remember and point this out. Solomon is not describing the voice of God. Solomon is describing the voice of wisdom. Interestingly, Solomon call, says wisdom is calling out in the street. He makes her voice. Now, Solomon, interestingly, made the voice of wisdom 
a voice of a, a woman. Now, some of you ladies out there, you're like, you're just you're poking your your husband or poking your significant other in the sense. You're like, see, I see, wisdom is a, wisdom is a she. Okay, he may, but she, but more interestingly, wisdom's calling out in the street. Wisdom is making her voice heard in the public square. So in the places of public square, in the places of public influence, in the places of public prominence, like out in the out in the plain sight, wisdom is making her voice heard. She cries out. She cries out. She speaks at the entrance. Now, here's the implication. And, and you're like, you know, you're, you're really seem like you're landing here and there must be something here. Here's the implication that Solomon is making. Wisdom is not hidden or hiding. For those of us who, who, th who think and want to live as if like, well, we, like we got to figure out wisdom. Wisdom is hard to find. Wisdom is difficult to find. Solomon says, no, no, no. She's crying out in the public square. This is not someone who's making themselves hidden. They're, they're like they're crying out above the commotion, above the commotion of life, above the chaos of life. Wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is speaking at the entrance of the city gates, not waiting for you to get somewhere in the inner courts. Wisdom is available right at the beginning. So wisdom is not hidden or hiding. Wisdom is accessible and available. Wisdom is not hidden or hiding. Wisdom is accessible and available. This is, to, to put this in the language of our principles, the principles of life, the principles of wise choices, the principles of how life works and how relationships work and how finances work and how career works and how family, all of that stuff, it's not hidden or hiding. We sometimes act like it's so difficult to figure out, but wisdom is not hidden or hiding. Wisdom is accessible Wisdom is available. Solomon said, wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is obvious. It's almost, Solomon said, it's hard to miss how things are supposed to work. He says, these connected dots are available for everyone to know and are available for everyone to put in practice in their life. In fact, they're so available, they are crying out for people to know and apply them for their benefit. And they're available and they're accessible and they're obvious right off the bat. It is not like you have to go and on your own merit and, and try to figure this out and try to find it. He says, right off the bat, this is available at the entrance and it's crying out to you. Wisdom is not hidden or hiding. Wisdom is accessible and available, which begs the question, well, why do so few people find this wisdom that is accessible and available? Now, that's a really interesting question. Wisdom actually, Solomon says wisdom actually has an answer. He says, how long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? Solomon is saying that, that for wisdom, from wisdom's perspective, to ignore wisdom, which is accessible and available, is because we love ignorance. We want to act as if wisdom is hidden so that we're not so we don't hold ourselves accountable for what's available and accessible. And I would add to add, add this to act like wisdom is hidden when it's available is to prove that we love claiming ignorance. Well, well, I mean, how was I supposed to know? How was I supposed to know? And Solomon would say, because wisdom is available and accessible. That's how you were supposed to know. He went on, if you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Now respond, meaning if you hear, if you listen, if you pay attention, if you're willing to learn, 
He says, if you, this is a conditional, if you will respond, if you will hear, if you will listen, if you will pay attention, if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to embrace the principles that are available and obvious to everyone, I will, and the promise, the conditional promise is, if you will, I will. He says, wisdom says, we'll pour out, the, if, if you're willing to learn, wisdom will pour out the spirit of wisdom on those who will receive it. That for those who are willing to receive and accept the principles that are obvious to everyone, wisdom will make itself even more readily available. Now he goes on, verse 24. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you. See, again, it's important to understand, this is not the voice of God. This is not God going, when you screw up, I'm going to laugh and mock you. This is not the voice of God. This is the voice of wisdom. And we need to understand here, so much of our life, we, as Christians, we, we, we kind of get in this, in this way of thinking that, you know, so much of our life, it, it's all a sin. It's, it's, is it a sin? Is it a sin? Is it a sin? And if it's not a sin, then it must be okay. But so much of life and our decisions, it's not really a sin issue. It's a wisdom issue. It's a wisdom issue. And we need to understand that stupid can mess you up just as bad as sin. Now, the consequences are, you know, for one, are eternal. The consequences, for one, are experienced right here, right now. But stupid can mess you up just as bad as sin, okay? And so, we, like, that, that we act like, if, if it's not a sin issue, it must be okay for me to do. And Solomon and Wisdom say, like, hey, look, we need to, you need to understand that not everything is a sin and salvation issue, but something is a stupid or wisdom or wise issue, a foolish or wisdom, that there are things that, that you can do that are not sin, but are still stupid. And stupid can mess you up just as bad as sin. See, when we sin, God offers his grace, his mercy, and forgiveness that's been established through Jesus. That's what God promises in the, and has made available in the face of our sin. Wisdom is not so gracious. Wisdom is not so gracious that while God promises grace, mercy, and forgiveness, when we choose foolishness, wisdom promises that we will experience calamity, terror, trouble, and stress, and that wisdom will have no compassion on us when we have chosen foolishness, but will actually mock us and laugh at us like you could have chosen. You could have done. You could have gone. You could have done all of this differently. See, when we choose foolishness, wisdom says you will experience calamity, you will experience terror, you will experience trouble, and you will experience stress. That was all avoidable. That was all avoidable all along the way. Because so much of life, it's not a sin issue. It is a choosing wisdom issue. Verse 28 then goes to say this, Then they will call me, but I won't answer. They'll search for me, but won't find me. Because they hated knowledge didn't choose to fear the Lord. They were not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. For the apostasy of the experience will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. 
See, here's the, here's the principle again. That, that like we're going okay. Well, that, that's wisdom talking. Wisdom is saying like there's some things that are obvious, some things that are available. Wisdom that is available. Wisdom that is accessible. It's not hidden. It's not hiding. And when people act as if they cannot figure it out and can't like and have to do some magical work around and have to act like an exception to the rules that are exceptions, I'm just telling you, they're gonna experience pain. They're gonna experience you know difficulty. They're gonna experience suffering. And it was all avoidable. And when they call out at the end of like trying to go their own way and figure it out on their own and act as if things are hidden, they have to figure out something that's, that's been hidden forever. He's like, that, like when they call out to me, I, they won't even be able to find me in that moment in time. The, and and all, ultimately, like what, what Solomon is, is embodying here for us is this simple truth that's so difficult for us to wrap our minds around because we all want to act as if we're the exception to rule and we can work around the principle and we can work around the stuff. But here's the simple truth that when we try to break a principle, we only end up breaking ourselves. Whenever we try to break a principle, whenever we try to work around a principle, whenever we try to go through a principle, try to avoid the principle, whenever we try to break a principle, we only end up breaking us. When I try to break a principle, I end up breaking me. When you try to break a principle, you end up breaking yourself. And see, here, here's the, another way to say this, and this is the this is really the, tr the truth of, of this, that when you cannot break a principle. It's unbreakable. It's unchangeable. It's a fundamental truth. You cannot break a principle. You will only break yourself by trying to break a principle. Principles are things that you do not break. You break yourself against them. These are fundamental, unchanging truths that, that of, of how the world works and how wisdom works. It's findable, it's discoverable, it's accessible, it's available. And whenever we try to break a principle, we do not break the principle. We break ourselves against the principle. And so today, I, I just simply want to leave you with one, if that's not enough of a thought, I, I need to leave you with a sentence that maybe just maybe you need to hear more than you've ever needed to hear anything in your life. When it comes to wisdom, when it comes to the principles that life is, is, is built on, you are not the exception to the rule. You are not the exception to the rule. I am not the exception to the rule. You are not the exception to the rule. That whatever the rule or principle or truth or wisdom or whatever it is that you, or laws of, the, of, of, of life, whatever it is that you want to call it, I just want to promise you, you are not the exception to the rule. Matter of fact, maybe we need to make this a little bit more personal. That, uh, that you need to say this with me. Say, I am not the exception to the rule. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. I am not the exception to the rule. It, aren't, aren't you glad you tuned in today to hear that wonderful, inspiring truth that you, you may be exceptional. You're part of Movement Church, okay? Of course you're exceptional. You may be exceptional, but you are not the exception to the rule. That how God designed the world to work, that how God designed the world to work and your life to be a part of the world that God designed. There are things that are true, that are not moving, that are not changing, that are not shifting. They are principles of life. And when you try to break the principles of life, unfortunately, no matter how exceptional you are, no matter how much money you are, you have, no matter how, how much you pray, no matter how much time you spend in the word of God, if you don't apply your, if the principles of life to your life, you will break your life against the principles 
of life while trying to break the, like anytime you try to go like, well, I'm the exception to the rule. I, I'm the exception to the principle. I'm the exception to the laws, the way that God ordained the world. I'm the exception to that. I'm telling you, you will not break the laws of life. You will not break the principles of life. You will break yourself against the principles of life because you are not the exception to the rule. So, just, just you know, because this is the way we're closing out every, every message during the series, I, I want to connect these dots for you because for some of you, there, there are some dots that you have missed or that you have blinded yourself to. You've acted like this is impossible to figure out. Unfortunately, you have been the person that has acted in a way that shows you may love ignorance. And, and, and instead of that, today, we need to understand there are some things that in his word and in life, God has made readily available and accessible to us. And we need to live in response to what is readily available and readily accessible. And so the, I, I want to share five principles today that you may be ignoring, that if you ignore them, you will not break the principle. You will break yourself against the principle. The first one is the principle of equal yokes. Now, if you've been around church for about five minutes, or especially if you were part of a church as a single person, you have heard the verse that talks about do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And if you heard it that as a Christian, uh, you, and what, you, what you've always been taught, what we've been so guilty of teaching is that what, what that verse means is that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be dating non-Christians. Did you know that verse is not primarily about dating? And the way you know it's not primarily about dating is the word dating is not one single time mentioned in the entirety of Scripture. And, 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 and Paul, um, Paul, when he was writing that, was not specifically talking about Christians who were dating non-Christians. He's like, hey, guys, all you Christians who are dating non-Christians, you got to stop doing that. Th this is about all kinds of relationships in life. And here's the principle. You can only partner with people who want to go to the same place. You can only partner with people who want to go to the same place. You can only partner with people who you cannot partner with people who aren't in the same place. You cannot partner with people who don't want to go to the same place. See, you, you can have chemistry, you can have common interests, you can have common backgrounds, but I'm telling you, if you don't have the most important things aligned, you will always be setting yourself up for heartache if you're trying to partner with people who aren't in the same place and don't want to go to the same place. And I'll throw this out there. If you're in the same place, you can figure out anything else. If you're not in the same place, it becomes hard to figure out just about anything else. This is the, this is the law of partnership. This is the principle of equal yokes that you, that, that you can't partner with someone that's where you're carrying 80% of the load and they're carrying 20%. That's not a partnership. That's you doing so much. Like you can't partner with people who are like you're strong and they're weak. It's just a simple thing. You, that if you want to go to the same places, you have to want to go to the same places. You have to, if you're going to partner with someone, if you're going to accomplish something in marriage, in family, in, in work, in career, in education, you can only partner with people who want to go, who are in the same place and want to go to the same place. And anytime you try to break that principle, I'm just telling you what you know and what you have experienced and what you will experience if you try to break that principle. Anytime you break that principle, you break yourself. And so we need to get better at understanding this isn't just a thing when we're dating. This is an all of life thing that anytime we want to partner, we need to make sure that we partner with people who want to go to the same places because we can figure out anything as long, as long as we're in the same place and want to go to the same place, we can figure anything else out. But if that, but if we don't have that in common, it becomes difficult to figure anything else out. Okay. Second one is the principle of growth and responsibility. 
And see, here's the thing. In, in our world, we act as if, as if our, our growth is someone else's responsibility. And I, here's the thing. I think it's great to have mentors and to have leaders and small group leaders and, 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 to, and to have them be part of our growth process. But here's what you need to know. Your growth is no one else's responsibility. Your growth, your growth spiritually, financially, in wisdom, whatever your, like in, in life itself, in relationships, your growth is no one else's responsibility. It is great to have mentors and leaders, but if you have great mentors and leaders and you don't personally invest in your own growth, and if you don't put in the effort, if you don't take your own responsibility, all the mentorship and leadership in the world will not help you grow. And when you don't grow, you will blame the mentor, you'll blame the small group leader, you'll blame your pastor, and there's and think there's something wrong with the process rather than look in the mirror. If you want to grow, you must take responsibility for your your part of your growth. You won't grow in anything until you figure that out. There is a principle that growth and responsibility are connected. And unless you take responsibility, you will not grow. Those are dots that are always connected. And until you act as if they are connected in your life, you will not grow until you take responsibility. Number three is the principle of change over time. See, change takes time lasting change you want to get really lasting change takes time it requires time significant change takes significant time and we so often think something is wrong when change doesn't happen fast or as fast as we would like we think time is our enemy because time is working against us and we don't have enough time in the day when in fact here's the truth change takes time time is your friend and I know it seems like it's the enemy because it, it we want change to happen so much. Like if there's an addiction we're trying to recover from, if there's a habit we're trying to change, if there's a financial picture we're trying to change, if we're trying to see change take place in our family, we want it to happen fast. But change doesn't work that way. Change takes time. Time is your friend. See, when you look at just about anyone in the Bible who experienced big change, it did not happen overnight. It happened over extended periods of time. Moses, it was 40 years in the wilderness from murdering a guy you know, in Egypt to God speaking to him and calling him to go back and transforming his life and bringing patience and bringing resilience and bringing everything he would need for the next 40 years. It took 40 years to build what he would need for the next 40 years. David there's tw somewhere anywhere between 12 and 18 years between Goliath and reigning as king. I mean, God set up this, this big, you know, like thing. God called him, you know, go kill Goliath, go face Goliath. And then there's 12 to 18 years before he's, he's, anoint he's anointed to be the king. 12 to 18 years before he becomes the king. God was bringing him into this place where he would, he would be ready, but it took some time to develop. Paul, there's eight. Eight, somewhere between 8 and 14 years between his time as Saul persecuting the church and his time as Paul going out and building the church and being a missionary, planting churches all over the world. And I'm just telling you, whatever it is in your life that you like, I, I, I want this change to take place. It will not happen overnight because these dots always connect. That change takes time. Time is your friend if you want to experience change. We need to be patient in the process that while God is bringing about change, it may take longer than we think. The fourth one is the principle of limits. This is a real fast one. Everyone has limitations. You have limitations. You have the limitation that you can't be everywhere you want to be at once. 
Sorry to rub that in for you. You can't be everywhere that you want to be at the same time. You don't have all of the time in the world. You have a time limit of time that you have 24 hours a day. There are limitations that you have, and there's limitations beyond the limits of time and space, okay? There are some limitations that all of us have. If you attempt to live as if you have no limits, you will break yourself. If you attempt to live in a way that, that, that it, it does not acknowledge the limits that are very real and existent in your life, you will break yourself against your limitations every single time because everyone has limitations. And here's the final one. There's a principle of change within time. You're like, wait, there's a principle of change over time and a principle of change within time? Yes. See, your life can only handle so much change in a time period without breaking down. Um, there's this interesting work that's been done a number of years ago by a team known as Holmes and Ray, and they put together a scale of changes that bring major life stress. It's called the Holmes and Ray scale of life stress. Their, their hypothesis is that if you keep your change and your stress number to a certain point, um, you have a low, cha low chance of stress-induced health breakdown. Their number was, was, was 150. If you have a, anywhere between 150 and 300, you have a 50% chance of health breakdown in the next two years. If your score is over 300, you have an 80% chance of health breakdown in the next two years. That, that how much stress we bring about by change in our lives is, is it all builds up, adds up to potentially wreck our health. Some of you know this, that the more stress you're under, the more stress, the, the more change that goes on, the more stressed you are, the more likely your health is, your physical health, maybe your emotional health, maybe your mental health, maybe your spiritual health, to just completely break down. And their idea was, when you can control the amount of big changes in your life, control the amount of big changes in your life. Now, sometimes change happens and it's outside of your control. And one of, one of the people that I've talked with about this idea more than anyone else in my life, and I know buys into this in big ways. In the last year, he and his wife moved to a new city, bought a new house and started new jobs. And they told me about how much change they, were, they knew they were undergoing and how they needed to be careful not to add too much extra and then they got pregnant unexpectedly. And then the husband was diagnosed with cancer. And then the wife got so sick during the pregnancy, she was hospitalized multiple times. There was family, there was, there was deaths in the family. There was you know, friendship dynamics that completely changed. Like, and, and, and they talking to them, they said, like, we, we're so glad that what we could control outside of things that we couldn't control, that we were controlling the things that we, because, because otherwise we, I mean, like, we're, like just with the things that were outside of our control, we're way off the scales. And we know we'd be setting up. So they're like, so we actually know what we need to do in response to this. We we need to pay attention to make sure that we're so that we don't like that we're taking care of our bodies. That in, in the midst of this, that we're that we're being extra vigilant to make sure that while all of this stuff has been outside of our control, we're controlling what's within our control because your body and yourself and your life can only handle so much change in a time period without breaking down. See, here's the thing. All of these are principles, and there's a whole bunch more principles in life. These are ones that I think we tend to so often miss and push back against. There are principles in life, and when you try to break a principle, you will not break the principle. You will break yourself against the principle, and I don't want that for you. I want you to live as someone who is paying attention to what is available and attainable and accessible to you, that wisdom is not hidden or hiding. But let's be people who lean into the wisdom and the principles and understand them and understand how they apply and how they work out in our lives. Because if we'll do that, we'll get to experience the other thing that, that wisdom promised. That if we listen and learn, we'll live securely and we'll be undisturbed by the dread of danger. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for my kids. I want our church to be people 
who listen to wisdom, who pay attention to what is accessible and available. And in response to that, because of that, we live securely. And we don't, we're not disturbed because there is no dread of danger for us who live in wisdom. I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for everyone I know. So let's live according to the principles that are available, that are not hidden, but are available and accessible. And watch, let's watch what God does in response to that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your wisdom. And God, thank you that it is not hidden or hiding, but it's available and accessible to every single one of us. So God, I pray today that we would be people who pay attention to what you've spoken, what you've set into motion, what you have, what you have made available and accessible to all of us. God, that we would pay attention, that we wouldn't act like people who live in and love our ignorance, but God, that we would act like people who go, you know what? I can figure this out because God has made this available and accessible. God, help us to do that. And God, in response to that, help us to live in your security. Help us to not break ourselves against your principles, but help us to live in security. Help us to live knowing that you have a plan and that you have principles laid out before us. And we can live following that. God, help us to be wise enough to do this. Help us to have courage to keep doing this. We love you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.